Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of the Learning Exchange. My name is Matthew Brown, and I'll be your host. For today's episode, I'd like to leverage all of my experience in the last 20 years as both a learning and development professional and an HR professional and talk about the idea of joining, learning, and performance. In my career, I have worked, as I mentioned, in learning as well as in HR. And sometimes these two functions exist within the same business department. Other times, they are completely separated throughout the business. And in both scenarios, I find that the processes and the practices and the strategies that drive both functions are often not integrated with one another. And this creates so much more work. It creates such a challenge when we think about helping our people to be the best they can be. And when we do that, we ultimately help the company be the best it can be. It's been a long, hard road in 2020. I I must admit, when the beginning of the year started, we were all very optimistic. Uh, we, We had great plans and ideas for what 2020 would bring. And then we went into a very tumultuous spring. The pandemic took grip over the entire globe and completely disrupted everything we know. By the time summer got here, we we settled in. Uh, we we sort of adapted. We we understood the uh, early impacts. We figured out how to transform, how to really adapt, and uh, find our way through this. And now we're entering into the fall season. And for many businesses, the period of time that we're in is time for performance reviews. And to love it or hate it. Uh, these are a necessary part of our business. This year, in particular, I think uh, the thoughts I'll be sharing couldn't be more relevant because we're having to figure out how to do this in a very different way. Now, during the month of September, October, November, December, most companies in the U.S. are facilitating performance reviews. It is uh, these two words, performance reviews, which strike fear and panic in the hearts of many employees and managers around the country. In addition, it also creates a lot of uh, panic for HR because there's a lot of work that goes into creating a great performance management experience. It's often during this time of year when many businesses are kicking off their annual performance review processes. And many of our performance reviews in 2020 look and feel exactly the same way they did in 1998, in 1994, maybe even in 1990. So we're talking about 30 years of the same practices and processes. And those standards look or feel maybe something like this. Uh, All right, it's time for our annual performance review season. Everybody get ready to do your self-evaluation. 
you will receive a form, whether it is electronic or on paper. And yes, there are still many businesses who facilitate these on paper. You will spend time thinking about all the things you did over the last 12 months, trying to highlight both the really good and maybe the not so good. When you're done compiling your thoughts and uh, sweating over it, then you will submit that into your manager and your manager will uh, review the notes you've put down. The manager will then also capture their thoughts and ideas. The hope is that you're both very much in alignment. Once we get through this stage, then uh, next we go to the, uh, we'll call it the calibration process. We're evaluating to make sure we see a really nice bell curve in our results. We're looking to make sure that uh, we have a pretty balanced distribution of ratings. We don't want too many people at the top end of the scale. We don't want too many people at the bottom end of the scale. And then we go into what most people now perceive the end uh, or the finish line to be, which is compensation distribution. So we go through all this review process to find out what our raises are, what our bonuses might be. The formula for the annual performance review largely has remained unchanged for the last 20 to 30 years. There is a self-review. There is a manager review. Sometimes you have other people that can provide input. We then send this over to human resources, who then looks after uh, analyzing and calibrating, making sure that we have an even distribution. We don't have too many people on the low end of the spectrum. We don't want too many people on the upper end of the spectrum. We want it to be kind of just right. And then we balance that against our compensation plans and strategies. And we're looking to make sure things are in alignment. Uh, we can't afford to give everybody the maximum raise, but at the same time, we don't want everybody to have the minimum raise. We want a nice mixture. The construct of the evaluation form for most companies tends to be pretty similar. We see uh, in, in my own career, I think the two most common things that I see happen on those forums is we see two sections. One section that's focused on business results, those KPIs like turnover, sales, employee engagement. Depending on your industry, you might have a few other things pop into there, but really it's focused on how the business did. The second part of that forum is usually focused on the individual performance. And in many cases, it's tied to something like core values. Uh, perhaps you've got job-specific or job-level-specific competencies, but there's some element of individual and company performance. Now, when we think about the idea that we're looking back 12 months, uh, first, I just in full transparency, I sometimes can't remember what I had for breakfast. Uh, so I'm not quite sure how confident I am year after year in remembering what I did and not only what I did, but why I did it and how I did it. And for me personally, the idea of a performance review, the idea of performance management really should be focused on driving the right behaviors, the right outcomes. It's not just about getting the results, but making sure that the path you take to getting the results is one which you can sustain, one that is the most ideal for your work style that delivers the most ideal results. Over my career, I have worked at a number of businesses, and uh, in the last few years being on the vendor side, I've, I've worked with um, a ton of customers. And we always end up having this discussion around performance reviews, specifically when we start talking about the idea of, of competency-based learning. 
uh, as a lifelong learning professional, lifelong HR guy, I am curious about how other businesses have approached the idea of bringing together competencies and sharing them throughout learning and HR. Oftentimes when I talk to customers uh, or when I talk to friends that work at other businesses, I find myself digging in trying to understand what motivates the business for performance review process and performance management, kind of what are the driving forces. And, you know, I, I try and dig in to understand if they're not doing something that's leveraging a, a competency-based framework or if it is more uh, haphazard year after year. I try to really understand why. Uh, because for for years and years, those of us that have been working in HR, we when I talk to others, what I hear is that we think the same. We all understand that having this connected thread running throughout everything in the employee experience it can give us so much greater performance outcomes. It can strengthen the business. But oftentimes, the businesses aren't actually working in the way that that we think they should. Specifically, when we think about the notion of using competencies to identify my ideal job profile that helps me on the front end and my recruitment processes. Then we hire someone and we rarely develop any sort of training tied to the competencies that we said were so important in that recruiting phase. We just kind of say, yep, you check the box. Welcome to the company and we're not going to develop you on those things anymore except for during performance review time, when we might talk about those things and we might talk about the fact that you've got some strengths and you've got some opportunities. And then inevitably there is some conversation about building a plan to close the gaps that we identify. But oftentimes the employees left to figure it out for themselves. In many cases, we, we see employees struggling to come up with a meaningful development plan, a meaningful path forward to really tackle the issues that are preventing them from reaching their full potential. When I have these conversations with my HR friends, as well as with the learning team, I, I try and understand from both perspectives, why, why aren't we putting these two things together? Why aren't we leveraging a common framework of competencies we can all agree to? And then we're using those things in recruitment. We're then using those things as part of the ongoing learning and career development. And then when we go to performance review discussions and more performance management-based activities, they're anchored in those same competencies. So now when we have some gaps identified, we've got learning that's right there ready to go. Uh, it, what I hear time and time again kind of boils down to three things. Why? Three reasons why people are just not making the change. The first is that many performance review strategies are anchored in this idea that compensation is really the finish line. So if if I take that away, I don't have a good idea of how we could justify our compensation distribution. If we're not using the annual performance review to help us guide that, then how do we do it? Um, the second thing that I hear is kind of a reason why is that it's just too much work to go back and rip everything apart and start all over. And uh, the third is, you know, just kind of summing up, uh, nobody's got time for that. It, it, it's not broken. We don't seem to have issues. So let's just kind of leave it where it is. In the last five to 10 years, the dynamics in the workforce have changed 
dramatically. And the younger generations that are entering have different expectations than the generations that came before them. Many of us were raised in an environment where the current processes that I've just described are normal. But the younger generations entering the workforce are questioning this. They're, they're looking at things and, and saying something seems a little bit off. Something seems a little bit misaligned with maybe my needs or expectations. The generations that have entered the workforce most recently have been very clear. Uh, the uh, Gen Y, Gen Z, the millennials were very clear at expressing that their desires and needs have changed. They are not driven by compensation in the way the generations before were. They are driven by a desire instead to be a better human. They want to be a better coworker. They want to be a better working professional. They want to ultimately make the world a better place. They have been raised in a world that is powered by technology and where learning takes place all day, every day. If they have a question, what do they do? They Google it. If they want to tackle a new project, a new task, maybe something they've never done before, they Google it. Or maybe they crowdsource some ideas. They call some friends and you know, assemble some information and put it to good use. They spend time learning from videos on YouTube. They spend time learning from others on Facebook, on LinkedIn. There's a lot of self-guidance, uh, self-development. And this puts businesses in a position to really be forced to take action. If your mission is to keep your employees happy, to keep them for a long time and to keep them highly engaged, then you know, you've really got to think differently in order to maintain the loyalty of these new employees. You have to focus on making sure that they are engaged, that they're happy and that they feel like they have a sense of purpose. And the sense of purpose at work is aligned with who they are. To get started, I think the first thing we have to do is we really have to put the employee in the very center of the discussion. We have to take the time to understand the needs, the wants, the strengths, the fears, the opportunities, and the experiences of all the people that work with our company. For years, we as the HR team have decided what the business needs from the employees. So we have decided what the core competencies are, whether we've defined them and documented them or not is a different story, but we're making these decisions and setting the expectations. Um, you know, this is how ultimately how we articulate when bringing new people in and when having these annual conversations around performance, it's, it's how we're explaining to people what we as the business need for them to deliver. We continue to ignore what the employees need from us. We continue to neglect to take the time to ask what they need from us. What, what do they need from the business? Question, do you know what your employees need? Do you know what drives them? Do you know what motivates them? Do you know what skills they possess outside of the things that you're asking them to do in their specific job function? Do you know what motivates them? Do you know what fuels their passion? Wouldn't it be magical if you could confidently predict future performance because the workforce was fully engaged and all people were firing on all cylinders? In, in my opinion, I think you can, but 
it requires putting in the time. It requires us to start by taking an inventory of what's available. We have to think about how do we create experiences which allow for the employee's voice to be heard and also in a way where we can take that and translate it to action. So we should be seeking to understand where employees are strong, where they're most confident. And uh, it should be noted that high confidence and strength may not be one and the same. But we can't stop there. We don't have to understand what they're great at. We also have to understand what their fears are. We have to understand you know, where they have experience, where they don't have experience, where they have a curiosity to learn. Perhaps we could consider doing a periodic survey to check in with our employees and allow them to tell us these things. And then let's compare what we hear from employees with the business-driven version and kind of look for gaps. So how do we take what we know we need to run the business and combine that with what they need to feel fulfilled and fully engaged? In a world where technology has allowed for us to uh, virtually find anything at any time, we have to figure out how to extend this experience into the workplace. Learning should be an all-day, everyday thing, but many times we create unnecessary constraints because we take the one-size-fits-all approach. How many of us have a limited learning catalog at work that is restricted to only those courses that are required for my job? Maybe I work at a company where the only thing that I've had access to is my new hire training. I get a lot of love and attention during my first couple of weeks. And then I see that start to slow down and the number of topics that I have to choose from, the number of learning experiences I can exp- I can dive into seem to just reduce and reduce and reduce until there's little or nothing. Uh, how many of you work in an environment where all employees take the same training? Nothing more, nothing less. I'm a new business analyst. I'm a new IT professional. I'm a new HR professional at the company. I get the uh, traditional new hire training. I might get my HR department training or my IT department training, and then that's it. Um, it, And even with that, I, I seem to be getting the same content. But let me ask, how many of your employees are identical to one another? How many people in the same job, have the same experience for the same number of years in the same settings. You see the problem? Uh, If we continue to build this training around this idea of one size fits all, here's the topic, everybody learns the same, everybody has the same knowledge gaps, we will continue to struggle. While many businesses struggle to tackle this issue, it doesn't have to be insurmountable. Instead, we just have to break it into smaller pieces. So first, let's take a look at the current training catalog you have. Is it extensive or is it very limited? Are you operating in an environment where training is all push, meaning you're telling employees what to take and when to take it? Or do you support some sort of a pull experience where employees can explore and maybe find things that pique their interest? Uh, In many cases, companies do both, but the options are extremely limited once we get out of the prescribed training zone. So this means that our highest performers and our most engaged employees are at risk for having their light dimmed because they run out of content. Uh, 
they run out of things to develop themselves. In many cases, uh, stretch projects and stretch assignments only go so far. And if I'm investing the time to do a lot of learning on my own time, that also only goes so far before I reach a breaking point. So we could start by first taking inventory of what the business needs from employees. So let's understand at our core, what, what things do we need to be really good at in order for us to have a successful business? Hopefully, we can take this information and then connect it back to competencies and skills and behaviors and attitudes, and we create the very first layer of the foundation. Then, if we take the time to understand what the employees need and want from the business, we can layer that in. And the hope is that when we take a combined look, we can start to identify areas where we've got a lot of content, areas where we have no content. And then we can more effectively move forward to build the bridge. It doesn't fall entirely on the shoulders of L&D to build everything. This is also a challenge that a lot of businesses face. There's a world of content, both free and paid, accessible with just a click or two. As I mentioned, our people are learning things by Googling it. They're learning things by visiting LinkedIn and YouTube and any other number of sites. All training also doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to take the same format. A blog can be just as effective as a 20-minute in-person course or a 30-minute e-learning course, depending on the learner. Learning can be both formal and informal. It can be social, academic, self-guided, instructor-led, interactive, etc. There can be as many forms of training as there are individuals. I challenge you to think about building a foundation with your employees that's not only focused on what you need from them today, but also building a foundation that's strong enough that allows you to support all the potential that you can see for their future. Consider driving performance by rewarding the desired behavior aligned with the needs of the employee. Compensation is an important factor of employment, but it's no longer a driving force behind retention. Commitment to developing employees has moved into the number one spot. And because of this, it is necessary to ensure that your learning offerings and your learning strategy are rooted in a foundation of competencies, which reflect what the business needs from the employees and what the employees need from the business. It's only when we understand what the business needs from the employees, what the employees need from the business, and, and we're consistent with how we approach it, that we can really make a difference. So in, in closing, the, the sentiments are whether you're coming from a place of learning and development or you're coming from a place of pure human resources, it is in all of our best interest to push ourselves to think differently, to push ourselves to take action, to help our employees truly be the best they can be. And in order to do this, we have to create an environment in which they are supported in learning about new things. We have to create a lot of opportunities for people to learn and grow and develop while consuming information on a lot of topics half of which or more than half of which are not going to be function specific. 
employees understand their strengths. Employees understand their weaknesses. And in many cases, they're really eager to develop in areas where they're weak. They want to be better, but are challenged because we don't have, maybe we don't have learning content that aligns. Maybe the things we're measuring them on in our performance management discussions are not aligned. And it's if we can start by creating this common framework, using this common framework to anchor all the things we do, that we can really consistently develop people toward greatness. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of The Learning Exchange. I look forward to bringing more content to you week after week. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, and never stop learning. Thank <laughs> you.